everyone. Welcome to Framework Leadership, a podcast about principles and ideas you can use today to take your leadership, well, take it to the next level. And we are now exclusively a part of the SEU Podcast Network. I'm your host, Kent Ingle, president of Southeastern University. And I'm your co-host, Michael Steiner, SEU chief of staff. And I'm really excited today to introduce our guest for today's show, Raven Solomon. Raven is an author and, and nationally recognized speaker who helps organizations get future ready. Love I it. like that. And she's a thought leader with a heart for generational and racial uh, equity and inclusion. And we are just so excited to have you on the show today. So welcome. Thank you. Thank you. That makes three of us who are excited. It's my absolute pleasure to be with you all today. You know, I'm, I'm, I've been looking forward to this conversation uh, and excited about, uh, and, and to talk about unity, cooperation, leadership. Uh, one of your biggest passions is breaking down barriers between uh, individuals and teaching people how to really kind of close the gaps in, in their relationships and in their work environments. How can, uh, how can leaders really replace those walls of what I would call division and disagreement with with some empathy and some good, solid understanding? Yeah, sure. I think that is a question we all are asking ourselves now in 2021, when we find ourselves to be perhaps more divided as a nation than we ever have been in the past for mm. various reasons. But I think in order for us to really get to a place where we are tearing down those walls of division and disagreement, disengagement, et cetera, and replacing them with far more productive activities and resources like empathy yeah. and understanding. I think it first starts with awareness and education, right? I think what we lack in our society today is a common truth. Mm -hmm. And I think as leaders, it's our job to establish collectively inside of organizations, whether that's nonprofit, for-profit, et cetera, what a common truth is. And that starts with accurate education that creates awareness, right? And to me, that awareness, the kind of impetus of that is curiosity. Yeah. If we aren't curious as leaders, as individual contributors, as students, et cetera, then the barrier comes up immediately to us right. really creating and growing an awareness and that education. But I think we've got to have a balance between both, you know, curiosity and what I call consideration, right? So it's be, it's about being respectfully curious. A lot of us want to inquire about the realities and lived experiences of those who um, identify as part of, you know, marginalized communities, but We've got to have, you know, a, a rapport with that individual or with that community. We have to have an establishment of trust before we go and, and embark upon these very intrusive questions sometimes. So I always admonish leaders to certainly lean into curiosity, but do so with consideration and do so with empathy, right? And, mm -hmm. and I think that's really the impetus. So what what started your passion on this, on trying to tackle this issue specifically in the work in the workplace? Yeah, I think when it comes to diversity, I truly, 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 with all my heart, believe that it is one of the most untapped opportunities that exist in the business world today. You know, we think about um, every other resource and how it can be leveraged to, to grow the business and to help us achieve the business results we've all have, you know, set before us. But 
to me, diversity and really being able to leverage diversity, which comes mm. by way of, of inclusion, right, yeah. is one of the most untapped opportunities. And so as a businesswoman, I think about business growth, right? right? right, right. And, and also just as a human being with a heart, I think about inclusion and I think about folks truly being able to bring their whole selves to a to an environment and really being valued, respected, welcomed, engaged, appreciated mm. in order to do their best work. And so that's what brings me to this space. You know, it's, it's the smart thing to do. It's the right thing to do. So as a businesswoman with a heart, it's, it's right up my alley. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and, and I think this is, you know, really, the uh, one of the number one issues that uh, employers uh, of organizations really need to tackle uh, in order to go uh, kind of neck to to the next level to break through. What do you think the key is to fostering productive working relationships with with people from diverse backgrounds? Yeah, you know, I think about, I'm sure we've all heard of the golden rule, right? You know, mm-hmm. treat others like you want to be treated. And then several years ago, some folks, I don't know who took it a step further and made up the platinum rule, which is really about treating folks how they want to be treated. And I really think that's the key to fostering productive workplace relationships across difference, right? I think inclusion is the key. And, you know, within that, we oftentimes misconstrue the word inclusion and the word diversity, right? We think that they are interchangeable, but they're really not. Mm. Diversity is about, you know, representation. It's about difference being present. But inclusion really takes that a step further, and it's about engagement. It's about really making sure that that difference counts. Right. Wow. Not just that it is counted, but that it counts, wow. right? So that folks are valued and respected and appreciated, and and encouraged to fully participate in an organization. And, and that is what I think is, is the beginning of fostering these productive work relationships. If I don't feel like I can truly be myself and like I belong here, the, the idea that we're going to be productive collectively mm-hmm. or that I'm going to be productive individually is quite slim. Yeah. So what do you think are some of the main things that hold an organization back from from taking that step from diversity to inclusion? What are some of the barriers that kind of that kind of goes to there? Yeah, you know, I think it's it's hard work, Michael. Right. You know, I, I think it's hard. Absolutely. And that's what, what really keeps organizations from making the investments, whether that's from a monetary and a capital standpoint mm-hmm. or a relational standpoint, an emotional standpoint. It is tough. Mm-hmm. You know, I work with leaders all of the time. And, and the question is, how can I be more inclusive, Raven? What do I need to do? What do I need to do? What do I need to read? How do I need to act? Right. And, and so we have such a bias for action as people and certainly Mm -hmm. as successful leaders, but it really is a slow process that deters people. It is a heart process. Mm. Um, And most business leaders, and this is probably my own bias speaking here, are are not the most <laughs> excited right. folks when it comes to doing emotional work, but uh, you know, emotional intelligence is a major, major oh, component yeah. of mm-hmm. effective Absolutely. leadership, and so uh, we have to do this emotional work. And right. to me. Diversity, equity, and inclusion work is leadership work. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Now, Raven, you are the author of uh, of the 2019 release, Leading Your Parents, uh, 25 uh, Rules to Effective uh, Multi-Generational Leadership for Millennials and Gen Z. Uh, what motivated you to write that book and, and share these uh, leadership principles? 
Yeah, I love telling the story. So I came out of NC State, the largest university in North Carolina, and I graduated valedictorian of NC State. And I tell this for a reason, because when I tell folks what I went to do for a living afterwards, they're always shocked. I went and, and drove a Frito-Lay chip truck for a year. And folks are always like, well, so <laughs> you graduated <laughs> valedictorian yeah. and you decided to go run a chip route. Why? Uh, and in short, I knew that it was, it was just a part of my training. Right. Mm. And what appealed to me was this servant leadership like approach to yeah. their work. And I understood that if I was going to effectively manage and lead a team of route salespeople that I would have to do the job myself mm. truly to understand and empathize. And so I took the job. Mm -hmm. ran around for about a year. And then I was handed my first team of 16 men who were old enough to be my parents. Wow! And so uh, <laughs> we had a lot of differences to overcome for mm -hmm. sure. And, uh, you know, a lot of the times they were looking at me like baby boss, right? Like right. I've yep. been doing my job longer than you've been alive. What do you have to tell me about leadership and about running a chip route? And so uh, to make a long story short, we were able to overcome those challenges and had a really successful career at PepsiCo Frito-Lay. But what I noticed when I left is that not all of my peers who came in with me through that program had that same success at the organization. And so mm. when I left, I really thought about what was the difference between those who were successful coming out of college and going into management and those who were not. And in short, I saw it to be simply soft skills, the soft skills yeah. necessary to lead across difference. And in this case, it was generational difference amongst others. And so that's why I wrote the book, Leading Your Parents. It really is written for that soon-to-be college student or college mm -hmm. graduate who is going into the workforce, has a desire to lead, maybe not manage, but lead, use y'all lead. Mm -hmm. And so uh, who is who is, you know, has this desire to lead and influence people older than them to get things done. And so uh, I wrote the manual on how to do that, if you will. Let's unpack a little bit of what you mean by soft skills, because I think this is a this is a huge thing, especially for our listeners. We have a lot of college right. students, fresh graduates on that side that need to need to think about this. And really soft skills is one of those things where you can talk about it, you have a book, but then if you haven't had a lot of interactions in a work spot, it's it's tough to it's tough to figure it out. So what do you mean by soft skills? What do those look like? And how can young professionals, especially people starting off just in their workforce, kind of bridge that experience gap in developing those? That's a really good question. So the way that I think of soft skills is the it's the opposite of the hard skills, right? Yeah, right, <laughs> right. Right. And so if you think about the hard skills, you're typically thinking about technical skills, functional mm -hmm. skills, right? So if I'm a coder, uh, the skill of writing code, yeah. if I am a runner, it's the skill of running, right? Mm -hmm. If I am a production assistant, it's the skill of actually producing the item. Those are technical skills. The soft skills are the things that we often take for granted that are yeah. necessary to actually get those things done with other people. Yeah. So soft skills are things like communication, interpersonal communication to be specific. It could be um, uh, conflict resolution. Mm -hmm. It could be negotiating skills. Yep. It could be influencing. So yep. influential leadership. Leadership itself is, mm -hmm. is a soft skill. Emotional intelligence, yeah. networking. We can go on and on and on down the list. And folks often think of those things as 
things that are either natural to you or mm-hmm. that are not natural to you. But the reality is they are indeed skills, meaning mm-hmm. that they can be developed. Yeah. But to yeah. your point, it takes education exactly. and it takes practice, yep, right? right? Um, and, and in our classrooms, we're not oftentimes taught those soft skills. Right. Yeah. yeah. I was reading a book, um, uh, Captivate by Vanessa Van Edwards. She talks about this exact thing with soft skills. And what she what she recommended is, she said, you don't actually realize how often you are interacting and have opportunities to practice these skills. Things like um, she recommended for memorizing people's names that you just learned, right? Mm-hmm. How often are you watching TV shows where you're getting bombarded with characters' names and we don't use that as an opportunity to practice those kind of soft skills of memorizing someone's names, learn different things with your friends? How often are you actually practicing that empathy? And we don't think of those as opportunities because it's so you know different between work and personal life. But there's, I think there's so many opportunities we have in a day to develop those skills if we will take the time to learn about it, think about it, and see uh, see at that spot. Yeah, I, I want to go back to talk a little bit about communication because, again, you know, there are clearly a, a lot of differences regarding how I think generations act in the workplace and, and what skills uh, they carry in their positions and opportunities. But I think uh, I think experience obviously is a huge element to achieving success. But but I do think this communication piece, this authentic um, communication is important. Uh, so what qualities do you think, um, as, it, as, as you look at communication, are lacking in the workplace specifically to communication, interpersonal communication as well? Yeah, I think the biggest thing lacking, especially today mm-hmm. when it comes to communication, is empathy. Yeah. Right. We and listening, active mm. listening. We often listen at this point mm-hmm. to respond. We're just li- we're listening for that one thing that we disagree with or for that one opportunity for us to provide what we think, mm-hmm. et cetera. So we listen not to truly understand and not to empathize and relate, but we listen to respond oftentimes. Yeah. And so I think one of the biggest opportunities that exists within the workplace for us to truly grow a, a, an environment of inclusion and collaboration is really empathy, being able to perhaps put yourself in the shoes or the position of someone else mentally. And and folks, when I talk about that, will often say, well, you know, I can't necessarily put myself in the position of someone who doesn't look like me fully. You know, I'll Mm -hmm. never understand what it's like X, Y, Z to do this. But Brene Brown, I think, puts it really well when she talks about the definition of empathy to her. She says, empathy is not connecting exactly to the experience of someone else. Right but rather connecting with the emotions that underpin that experience. Absolutely. So going back to when you were working in the Frito-Lay and coming up in the Pepsi-Cola, leading a team of 16 people older than you, how did that play out for you in in that scenario? What did it look like to connect with people on that level? Yeah, I think one of the biggest things was really taking the time to understand what mattered to them. Mm-hmm. I knew what mattered to me coming into the door huge. and huge. what should matter to us as a, as a team, but what mattered to them was vastly different. And that was generational. Sure. That was also kind of functional. It was hierarchical, et cetera. And so, for example, one of the things that I learned very quickly that mattered to my baby boomer team members was respect. 
Yes. It really mattered to them. It mattered that I asked them their opinions, that I allowed them to contribute to our team meetings, that I showed reverence and appreciation for the things that they had gone through and what they now have to contribute to our organization. Just because I'm the leader doesn't mean that I can't learn from you on a day-to-day basis. And so it also took some humility on my end to, to truly provide that respect. So learning what matters to folks, if you think about love languages, if you've mm-hmm. ever heard of those. Uh, It's the same thing as it relates to leadership. I call them lead languages and they're different across generations, but the lead language that I've assigned to baby boomers is respect, right? It's it's that you give them that you tend to get the best out of them as, as a leader. You know what? I know one of your passions is definitely fighting against age discrimination and addressing kind of that generational divide of, of individuals in the workplace. You actually have a podcast called the generational view, uh, which discusses uh, a lot of these topics. Obviously, generations can have, uh, you know, different approaches uh, to their careers. So tell us about your podcast, what strategies you found that are most effective when it comes to dissolving this intergenerational conflict. Yeah, I'm so glad you asked about the podcast. So the podcast, as you mentioned, my name is The Generational View, and it really exists to provide a glimpse into the differences that exist across generations, right? So I invite folks of different generations to hop on and share their generational view around a specific topic. And last season, it was all about race, racism, and racial equity. And so we were able to invite folks of all different racial backgrounds of different generations to really unpack how we experience and perhaps view race, race relations, racism, all mm. the the you know, things correlated with race, especially in the workplace. And so it's it's really been a phenomenal opportunity for me to listen and then also to provide a window for our audience into conversation that absolutely needs to happen. And so we want to be a model for the cross-generational conversations. I believe we should be having at our dinner tables, yeah in our communities, in our churches, et cetera. Yeah. I, 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 another thing I want to, I, I thought maybe you were going no, to ask a question, but uh, another one of your passions uh, that I love is, is the ad, advocating for equality. And you, you help people of all backgrounds kind of understand how and why a generation can truly impact how they view, how they understand, uh, even combat racism. Uh, my question is how, how can leaders appropriately um, discuss issues and advocate for and advocate for various causes when it comes to their work environment without compromising their position um, or even their role? Yeah, I think the key to that is, is courage, mm. is courage. Because to be honest, to some, you may compromise your position, right? But I think as leaders, we have to ask ourselves, what is our position? What's our role? Why am I here? Mm -hmm. Am I here to make folks feel good even within, you know, inequity? Mm -hmm. or, Or am I here to truly provide equal opportunity and access and fairness and impartiality to everyone? Am I here to to grow a business? If I'm here to grow a business, then I understand that diversity and inclusion is an avenue to that. 
Right. Um, and so I think we've got to ask ourselves, too, you know, who am I as a leader? Who do I say I am? What are my values? What do I stand for? And if I say I stand for things like authenticity and integrity, which most of us do, transparency, mm-hmm. et cetera, then me challenging us as team members and organizations to have these very difficult conversations and to cre- create equity, which mm-hmm. is is very much so a, a critical and actionable task. If I if I'm here to to do those things and I say I stand for that, then I've got to be courageous enough and bold enough to say, you know what, to some my position might be compromised, but I know what my position is, and mm-hmm. this is where we're going as a company. And so, how, what advice would you give to somebody who's maybe in that middle management role? Right? They understand the they understand the changes that need to happen. They understand all the different dynamics but they're not the ones that are necessarily calling all of the shots, right? They've only got one sphere of it. How do you, how can they manage, how can they create that kind of change within their organization while not being at the top? Yeah, I love that question. That's a great question. I think the mid manager is actually the most powerful yeah. mm. person in the organization for many reasons, but certainly when it comes to creating an environment of inclusion, because if you think about it, you know, when folks leave organizations, you've, you've heard this all the time. When folks quit bosses, they don't quit, you know, yeah, companies. Right. Yeah, right. yeah. And so, you know, as a mid-level manager, you have the opportunity to really create an environment of either exclusion or inclusion. Mm-hmm. It's not the CEO that does that. The CEO and, and the C-suite drive the vision for that. But you as a mid-level manager are the executor of those things. And so you've got the opportunity to model and exhibit inclusive behavior or exclusive behavior as a leader. So for example, one of the traits we talk about of inclusive leaders consistently is really having this this courage. We talk about having curiosity. We talk about having cultural intelligence, all of those things. You don't need a CEO's backing to to be more courageous today or to be more curious or to uh, grow in your cultural intelligence. So I, I think Mid, mid-level managers are where it's at. Yeah, yeah. That's so good. Uh, a fascinating conversation. We could talk all day because I love your your heart, your passion. Uh, you're so others-oriented. Others-oriented, which is such a, a strong value I know that we we long and strive for here here at Southeastern University. Uh, but we're going to move into our fire round uh, as we close the conversation. And, and, and really, this fire round is always uh, about, you know, uh, asking questions that kind of sum, summarize what we've talked about in, in, in this podcast. So uh, I'm going to ask Michael to fire away. We have about three we want to give you and just give your gut answer uh, and, and let us know uh, how we can go forward. Yep. Okay. So first, first question right off the bat, what's the best piece of advice you've ever received? Mm. Progress is better than perfection. Oh, that's good. That's really good. When, when here's my question: When things do not happen the way you originally planned, that happens a lot. What What is the first thing you do to get over it? I eat. <laughs> uh, I either eat or I go for a run. Most of the time, it's eating. Yes. In other words, take a little break. <laughs> yeah. from, there we go. Uh, what's yep. happening? Uh. Yep. Yep. Take a little That's break. Great. Step away from it. That's what I'm trying to there teach my go. two-year-old right now. It's like, hey, we can walk out of this situation. We'll come back to it. It's okay. Yes, you can share you with can. your sister. It's great. Um, last question. If there was one book that every... Um, 
every student that was just stepping out into their career needed to read, what would it be? Oh, come on, Michael. That, I, I don't know if that's a setup or not, <laughs> yeah. but I definitely say leading your parents. Yeah, for sure. By for sure. Yeah. <laughs> there it is. That Absolutely. Was a, that was an easy one. Slow one across the plate right there. <laughs> there we go. Yeah, I appreciate that. Perfect. Uh, well, Raven, I, I want to thank you for joining us today on our podcast. Uh, grateful for your insight, your wisdom, uh, the experience that you bring, and just so grateful that uh, our listeners have had a chance to uh, hear you today. So thank you for being with us. Absolutely. It's my pleasure. Thank you, Ken and Michael. I've oh, enjoyed it. Awesome. And if you want to stay up to date with Raven, you can follow her on Instagram and Twitter at Raven underscore solo. You can also check out The Generational View wherever you get your podcast, Spotify, Apple, iTunes, across the page. And then uh, if you're going to keep up with us, check out more leadership content. Uh, check us out on Instagram and Twitter, uh, Kent underscore Ingle and, and at Kent Ingle. And if you are watching us on YouTube right now, make sure you hit that subscribe button, that like button so that you can get more leadership content right to your uh, to your page. You can also join us on our newsletter. Uh, sign up at kentingle.com. Thank you so much for listening to Framework Leadership today. Take care, everybody.